on this episode of Building Men, the power of compassion and strength, a mother's role in defining masculinity. Welcome to the Building Men Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Meralda. And welcome to the Building Men Podcast. My name is Dennis Meralda. I'm joined by my younger brother, Anthony. Welcome back, Anthony. I'm back. I'm back, back, baby. Better than ever. Building Men is geared toward helping you become the strongest version of yourself mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. So I noticed, Anthony, you're wearing glasses today. I am wearing glasses. Tell us about that. This is a big uh, physical adjustment. Obviously, you wear glasses, right? It's not just I a do. Prop. Yeah, these aren't just plastic ones. It's not yeah, a prop. The lenses are cut out. There's actually nothing there. Um, yeah, I wanted to mix it up today. I feel like if I toss out a little something extra every time we meet, it's exciting. People will be like, what's Anthony going to wear? What's his hair going to look like? Who's that, who's that guy? Oh, that's the, that's the smart one. And did he just get prettier and more intelligent? Yup. <laughs> sure did. And so normally you wear contact lenses. I sure do, but they're uh, for anyone who has contacts, they know how expensive that they are. So like, I'll either rock the glasses or I'll reuse my daily contacts for like two weeks, so that I can make like a three month pair of or uh, contacts last for like six to eight months. Probably not the best for my eye health, but I don't know. It's like a give and take. Is that um, called ocular health? Is that how you term that? Oculizing. Oculizing. (laughs) Maximizing. Maximizing your oculization. Optimal oculization. I think that's what. Real oculization (laughs) podcast. (laughs) So I've seen firsthand you leave your contacts in after a night of uh, debauchery, frivolity, um, late night and you wake up in the morning and it looks like someone just threw Tabasco sauce into your eyes. And someone sat on my face and farted <laughs> immediately. And my eyes are purple. It's worth, uh, like when you wake up from sleeping in your contacts, you could hear yourself blink. Like it's like, whoosh, whoosh, and then they get like stuck shut. And it's like, it's really, it's awful. And I knew that I would always know that I had a rough night if I wake up and my eyes are purple and I can't open or they're just like you know they have it's it's disgusting it's nasty it's not good. um and then there's there's peanut butter on your nipples and hot sauce around your there's a lot of other uh you know determining factors when you wake up and you had yeah. a rough night empty jar of peanut butter my dog looks guilty it's a whole it's it's not good it's not good <laughs> i've been through it all so anyway so that's how we're going to start glasses. so, so yeah. this episode glasses, is going yeah. to it's going to air on um, may 9th 2021, the year of our Lord, and uh, it's Mother's Day when this episode is airing. We did an episode about a week and a half ago, um, and a lot of that episode, we didn't go into it thinking we were going to focus on dad, but what it turned into was us talking about dad for, you know, majority of the episode and things that we learned from him um, and our experiences and this and that. And so I, I talked to you about jumping on a podcast today. I just like this weekly kind of banter that we're having back and forth and obviously kind of seeing what your physical situation looks like, what you're going to add next week. I'm definitely looking forward to a man bun, uh, some kind of a ponytail in the future. Maybe I, one might, more I might bring back the mustache. I might bring back uh, Creepy Noni. 
Listen, I, I would love for your permission to be able to post a video of that on um, on Instagram because I watched it at least a thousand times. I was with Julia at the beach and I was like, watch it again. Watch watch him wink. Wa- watch it again. It gets better every Wait, day. Are you talking about the video that I sent you of the... Yeah, where dude, where yeah. you like slowly pan up to the... Yeah. Creek. It is... Yes. Did I not send you that before? I thought that originally I sent you that. You originally I said like it was like three years ago yeah, uh, yeah, when yeah. I first had it. And I just took the screenshot of the creepy noni. That's where he came from. Uh, mm. for birthday, that's where he came from. But the video was just something altogether different. Yeah. Uh, I felt so uh, bad watching it, but but so good at the same time. I, I felt uh, like I was yeah. doing something wrong as I was seeing you. But it, it, I couldn't look away. It was it's like, like it's, it's beautifully uncomfortable. You know, it's very like it's like, you know, it's like watching a car accident happen. You like really don't you know something bad is going to happen, but you just you can't look away. You're just you waiting for that. Away. And it's and the, the pinnacle of that was beautiful. You know, the climax was. So with your permission, I'd love to post that as an accompanying. I'm going to say I'm going to say no to that. <laughs> uh right okay. now all right but we'll revisit it and maybe I'm feeling, <laughs> yeah get a couple beers in me and you know maybe i might agree to it it's a great teaser teaser for the audience then just to say yeah. well i wonder what they're talking about right now there's something right, so to, to jump into the to the episode today we wanted to talk about obviously building men is about um masculinity it's kind of our journey to figure out what masculinity is what it's not um, different pillars and traits of masculinity. And so we talked about dad last week. You know, we, we talked about things that we learned from dad in regards to masculinity. And conversations that I've had with um, Julie, my girlfriend, over the last, you know, six, eight months or whatever, it's about being the masculinity that you learn from your mother as well. Um, you know, being a single mom, you know, she's raising two sons in a, in a situation where she needs to you know, understand masculinity in a very deep way. And so we've, we've had conversations about what role does a, a mother play in, in her son's development and, you know, becoming a man. And so when we talked about doing an episode on Mother's Day, I was like, why not talk about lessons we learned from mom about ourselves, about the world, about masculinity, because obviously we've learned, we learned a lot from her and we were both raised in different generations. So I was born in, in December of 76 our younger, my younger sister, your older sister, Tara, was two years younger than me. So we had a period of time where it was just me, Tara, mom, and dad until Megan was born nine years after me. So um, the way I was raised, I, I was kind of brought up in this way where um, dad went to work, he busted his ass. We talked about that a lot. Mom stayed at home. And so, you know, what are the, some of the things that I really learned from mom as I was growing up was one, this um, just huge value on, on family. And just how important that family dynamic was and sitting down together to eat every single night and um, just this this emphasis placed on this connection that she had with me and Tara, you know, after school, um, you know, we'd come home and there was always something that she had planned for us or something to do. She always had some kind of um, adventure for us to go on. And it was always just very, she was very creative in the way that she brought this family dynamic together. And it's something that I'll never forget is just going through. Um, I don't know if you, if mom did this for you, but she would, um, she would do these scavenger hunts for me and Tara where it would be, she would give us like a little slip of paper and it had like a clue on it. And she always tried to rhyme the clue. And so the clue would lead us, you know, we'd, we'd read the clue and it was something about, you know, we had to find something and it would let us to the refrigerator. 
So, you know, you'd, you'd read the clue and then the next clue was in the refrigerator and then that would lead you to another clue to another clue. And at the end, there was something, a surprise, a treat, or we would be going somewhere or whatever. But it was like this little adventure kind of, you know, before they did like escape rooms, it was like mom was creating like an escape room in 1984. And it was something I'll never forget. Like that experience just lived with me. And I was like, I want to do that for my kids. I want them to go through this experiential kind of thing where they're like, you know, someone cares about me enough to create this thing for me, for this journey that I'm going to go on. So that's one life lesson. Those are the memories that last so long. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like you don't need to buy your kids certain things. It's the experience of it. And you've already like just hearing the things that you've done for your kids, the scavenger, like that's directly from mom. You think about like the thing around Bordentown that you did uh, with your kids and like, you know, had them go all these places and had all these people involved. Like that's directly because mom was doing all that for you when you were younger. And it was a very similar experience for me, but not, you know, again, like she was working at this time. Right. So she was working at, she, she had a job and she would, I would see her in the morning though, every single morning and every morning she would, she would make me breakfast. She would wake me up in the morning, literally until I was 17, 18 years old. And she wanted to do it. It wasn't even like, she would, but she would wake up and she would sing to me in the morning and that's how she would wake me up. And I, I hated it. I hated it. And I'm like, oh, like seven o'clock in the morning out here, like, good morning, good morning, good morning to the piggies and the pens. I'm like, good damn morning. it. Oh, but good like, good morning, I look back, good morning to the chickens and the hens. Yep. And it was, uh, <laughs> Oh, it was brutal because that would be the first thing I would hear. But like, you know, it always makes me smile when I think back to that because I remember that every single morning that she would do that for me and she would talk to me about my day and she would talk to me about what the plant like we would have such good conversations in the morning. She was always so present in the morning when I would be there. And then just like you said, the, the dinners that we would have, like mom made it a point to sit down and eat dinner together every single night. And it was like, to me, that's what I remember the most is just sitting down and like, even if nobody talked, even we, it would be that moment, like, you know, we just started to have phones when I was like 16, but before that, or even after that, like we didn't bring phones to the table. We didn't talk about, we just sat there and had a, had a discussion, Yeah, you know, just about whatever. And it was like that moment that I think people take for granted or a lot of people don't have anymore. It's just like you sit down and you're just having your meal. Right. And everyone's together. And there was like, there wasn't many moments that we had our entire family together because there was like, you know, once you were, you were in college and then you, you know, got married and then everyone was kind of in and out. But there was a few moments that I remember we all sat down at the dinner table and we had like these, and even at breakfast too, on the weekends when we'd all sit down together and have those meals. And that was mom, like bringing us all together and cooking and making sure that we sat down and we were present in that moment. And that, that to me was really special and i feel like i you know took a lot away from that so oh absolutely and it's something that i've continued as a father as well you yeah. know when you know um when i have the kids i only have the kids half the time now right but when we're together it's not like we're eating watching tv like we sit down and we talk about our day it's not just like how was your day fine it's like tell me something you did today for someone else you know yeah. tell me about a risk that you took today and that goes back to our conversations at the dinner table with mom, I still remember. I mean, I gotta call this out now because we're, you know, we're talking about the dinner table. I um, I went on one of my first dates with Julie. We went out to this place in um called the Garden Villain. I'll give it a, I'll give it a promo here. 
you know, it's kind of a little dive bar. And it was before you could actually go inside. So we're sitting outside. We went for a hike at High Rocks. And we're sitting at the Gardenville Inn. And she orders a beet salad. And as soon as she said that, I was like, like, I got this, like, post-traumatic stress disorder. I was like, beets. I haven't thought about beets in 30-something years. And I still remember we had... We had dinner one night. This is before you were born. We had dinner one night, and mom serves whatever she served. Um, but there was a, like a plate of pickled beets that were on the on the on our tray, and we're like, me and Tara were like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, what is this like purpley reddish glob <laughs> on our? And mom's like, you're gonna fucking eat it. We're gonna yeah. you're gonna sit here until you finish your beets. And so you know, me and Tara crying. <laughs> We have to eat these beets. And so we, I sat there for maybe like 20 more minutes. And finally, I'm just like, fuck it. And I just shoved them in. I went, like, fucking yak over the place, but I got them down. And I'm, I'm like, out. I'm out. I'm done. Yeah. Let's go. And then Tara's like, you know, Tara, Tara digs in her heels and she's like, you know what? And she crosses her arms and she's like, I will sit here all night long. I am not. She is. She would. And so mom's like, then you're going to have them for breakfast tomorrow. And then you're going to have them for lunch tomorrow. (laughs) You're never leaving. Absolutely. So mom like dug in her heels, Tara dug in her heels. And it was just like this stare down that they had for, you know, probably the first 10 years, 12 years of Tara. I was going to say it went on for for (laughs) decades after that. She kept putting it on the. (laughs) And then meanwhile, dad comes home from the gym, you know, or whatever. And he comes home and Tara's sitting at the table crying with the beets in front of her. He's like, what are you doing, Tara? And she's like, mom's making me eat the beets. He's like, you don't have to eat the beets. Get up from the table. Mom is like, what the fuck? Are you kidding yeah. me? Like, you just doesn't mean it. Like, like, those are gross. Yeah, you don't need to eat those. That's disgusting. Go, go play outside, Tara. Get out of here. Pat, toss them in the garbage. We oh, don't, we don't. I, I'll never forget that. And so I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm having this moment. I'm like, you know what? I need to like overcome this fear of beets. So I was like, yeah. Julie, let me have one of your beets. <laughs> she's like, all right. So I had one. I'm like, you know, they're not that bad. I'm going to rewrite the script on right. But you have this post-traumatic stress from uh, from your experience with yeah. the beats and that, again, mom wouldn't let us get away with anything. You know, she wouldn't like she pushed us and pushed us and pushed us so hard to uh, to be better people. And at the time, like I remember my uh, which I think you might have been there. Maybe it was Tara when I had um, I had to do my like my vocabulary homework or something for English. And I sat there and I was like, I didn't understand what something meant, right? For my for my homework that I had. And I kept asking her and I was like, what does this mean? And mom was like, you got to figure it out on your own. Like, figure it out. You got to look it up. They gave you a book. Like, you got to look through that and figure out what exactly this definition means. And you got to write it up for yourself. And I was like, why can't you just tell me what it means? Like, just tell me what it means. And she was like, I'm not telling you. You need to figure it out for yourself. And I was like, I just don't understand why you just can't tell me. Like, I just don't get it. And I just kept pushing and pushing and I was crying and I'm like pissed. And she just sat there and she's like, I'm not going to tell you. Like, and I sat there for like an hour to two hours, just bitching. That, just, tell me. Yeah, just tell me. I don't understand. I don't understand why you can't just tell me. And she held her ground and, you know, I ended up figuring out for myself, but at the time I was so pissed and she had to deal with that all the time with me. Cause I would just like, since I was so emotional, I just couldn't like, you know, it's in my head. I just like, I had so many things going on, but she would always stand her ground and always force me to figure it out for myself. Um, 
And I always notice that because there's certain things like I just I would never want to call people and I would never want to, you know, she would make me call the like to order food for us. She would make me call or to, you know, call up the doc. I would have to call up the doctor. I would have to call up, you know, or send an email to a teacher or go speak to a teacher, go talk to a coach or do something. I never wanted to do that. I wanted her to do that. And she wouldn't do it for me ever. She never, ever let me put it on her because she knew how uncomfortable it made me feel. And I just, I still remember that. And so many kids now, you know, the parents are speaking on behalf of them, but mom would never let us do that ever. Absolutely. It's such a great point. I, one of the biggest challenges I had as a principal, especially in some very affluent areas, was trying to tell parents, you can't solve all the problems for your kid. You're doing them such a disservice by coming in and solving issues that they're having. They need to understand that they might struggle in life. They might fail, but that failure is not a setback. That failure is something that'll help them grow, become better. A different opportunity might arise because of them understanding themselves on a deeper level. So mom was basically, I mean, you were no walk in the park, right? I mean, you yeah. you had a lot going on as a- Oh my God. It was- so- <laughs> I made her life a living hell. Like she, I pushed her to the brink on that. Like, so yeah, we went. Even even when you were, I mean, you were, you were born. Mom was 36 years old, you know? And I was 10 pounds four ounces. Yeah. You were, I mean, you were a bowling ball and mom and dad were done having kids. And all of a sudden you're born. And it was, I still remember here I am. Surprise, (laughs) you know, and it's like, oh, this will be an easy one. Nope make your life a living hell i'm gonna make i still remember i mean she's gonna you know probably this is great because you know we'll 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 get some laughs out of this from mom but she'll say i can't believe that you said that but mom went through this like i don't know it was like kind of a midlife crisis you know she was she was getting ready like mom was always in like unbelievable shape she was always like a babe you know super mom and like and all of a sudden now she's pregnant at 36 37 years old and she's like fuck it i'm gonna cut my i'm gonna cut my hair i'm gonna have a mullet yeah i don't give a crap yeah so i remember mom pregnant wearing like overalls with a mullet it's Mm -hmm. like but it's funny now because you work with mom as like a trainer and mom is in mom is what 66 um yes yeah it'll be 67 in, in november but mom is in unbelievable shape for for a 66 year old, for a 50 year old mom's an unbelievable yes. shape. Yeah. And just so when you talk about the lessons that we're learning from mom, I mean, one is that level of intentional discomfort, understanding that she was putting us in situations at young age, at a young age where we had to figure shit out for ourselves. Um, she helped us understand the value of, of hard work, of um, but putting ourselves in situations where she wasn't gonna come in and solve those problems for us. It helped us become better as adult solving problems because of shit that she, you know, she intentionally did for us to help us become better men at that point. At the time, we probably didn't realize it. No. But looking yeah. back, it absolutely, for both of us, helped us to grow in that area. Yeah, 100%. She did that. She just did it so often. And I didn't, I never realized the value in it until now. And until I see all these people who aren't doing it, and I saw that mom would never give up on pushing us to do that. She always pushed us and pushed us and pushed us. And it was like, you're not just going to get away because you're uncomfortable because you don't want to do this. Like, I'm not going to let you slide on this where it's funny. Cause dad, I think would just be like, screw it. I'll just do it. I'll do it. No, you're not good at it. Like if, if he would teach us, 
But then if there was something that we didn't get, it was like, let me just show you, right? I'll just sit in here. Just, I'll do it. Here, let me do it. Sit this one out. Mom be like, no, like you got to do this. You got to learn for yourself. And I always feel bad because like I, like you were saying how I wasn't a walk in the park. Like I, I went through so many things in my life that were like so, so much anxiety and so much ups and downs. And I was so in my head and like mom was right there with me the entire time. She felt so much of what I would had going on. Like I was so worried about everything. And mom was in turn worried about everything because she felt what I felt like. And I remember dad pulled me aside. He was like, you got to stop with this anxiety stuff. You're driving your mother crazy. Like she can't sleep at night because I can't sleep at night. Like it was just, I just, I appreciate her so much for that. Cause I know that she went through a lot um, dealing with the things that I was dealing with, you know, because I, I would wear it on my sleeve and she just embraced it wholeheartedly, you know? So it was, uh, I, I definitely appreciate her for that. So. And think about it too. When you, when you think about what you just mentioned, where did that come from? Right? So she, her father was a very strict German man. Um, he was in the military, you know, even grandma. So it was Edward Lecklager was her father. Francis Lecklager was her mom. Her mother was like, she did everything for, for pop-up, you know, but she, you know, what she saw about masculinity was like this really tough, like stern, um, you know, it's not, it wasn't like a loving, embracing, empathetic, emotional, masculine figure in her life. But she raised two boys, in my opinion, that, that kind of have um, astute social awareness, I would say, um, empathetic. Um, and so her taking what she saw from masculinity, she got a lot from her mom. Like grandma was just an amazing human being. I mean, just all every day I learned something or every time I talked to mom, I learned something new about her experience. And I'm so interested in finding out more and more about how they were raised, mom and dad, wanting to understand about why I am the way I am or why I have interactions the way I do because of maybe my DNA or whatever. I'm just really interested in that stuff. But she, she took a, you know, a very stoic, stern, you know, man as her masculine role model. I'm wondering what other role model she had as far as men in her life that she took and she was trying to help us um, define what we thought masculinity was as we were growing up. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. It's it's something that I would like to sit her down and talk to her about that, you know, because you look at it and you look at dad and dad came from a very kind of laid back environment, you know, when he was growing up and he's, you know, rigid and, you know, very, you know, he's driven and has all these different things. And mom is kind of more of like a laid back person in a sense in certain circumstances, you know, it's just weird what they took and what they decided to, how they decided to raise their family, like what they took in their family and decided to use that they wanted to be as parents. Um, and I find that so interesting. And what you hold on to from your upbringing that I want to be like this. And then what you're like, I don't want to be like that. And you kind of go in the opposite direction. So maybe mom was like, I don't want to be this like really strict, stern, I don't want my kids to be like that. I'm going to go the opposite way. And maybe dad was like, I saw it was so laissez-faire and so kind of passive and permissive that I'm going to go the other way as I'm raising my son. So maybe there's that kind of yin and yang or balance kind of thing too, that we're just taking little pieces out of. It's really, it's like a puzzle that you were trying to put together. Yeah. Journey. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, 
it's awesome though. And I just like, I was talking to mom and dad last week and they were telling me how, um, like mom was never upset about taking on the role of a mom, right. Of a state. It wasn't like she was giving up her dreams to be the, the, the parent at home who was just raising the kids. It's not like she was like, she embraced that and loved it. And she wanted to be there all the time. And she loved going to see dad play all the sports and do all the stuff that made him happy. She wanted him to be happy and that made her happy. And she was completely willing and loving the fact that she was able to spend all this time at home. Like she just, and then at some point that changed, you know, like where she wanted to get a job and she wanted to have a different, her identity started to shift a little bit as far as who she was and they were growing and changing together. But at that time in her life, she was never like bitter about it. You know, she wasn't like, I'm giving this up to be this person. And I feel like that showed which how she raised us because she was never like pissed about having to not be able to, you know, live out her dreams or that she gave something up for, for, for us, you know, we never felt that way. So it was just, it was, it was nice to hear that. It was. And mom out of high school um, was very active in different organizations in high school. She was a twirler. I mean, yeah. I know, you know, she can still twirl her ass off. I mean, it was like, the, right. and then like the, she could throw up in the air and catch behind her back and like, like the ends of the, whatever you call it, the stick, the twirling stick. It probably has some kind of a name, baton. I don't know. Well, the baton. The, yeah. Twirly. The... The twirl, she would, it would be like lit on fire and she'd like throw it up in the air and do all this bad stuff. And mom was a really, really good athlete as well. Dad was a really good athlete, but so was mom. And so mom got into college. And so basically she had this choice to make, like, did she want to go to college or did she want to get married? And so she, you know, she got married. So she got, they got married at a really young age. And so we, it wasn't something that we heard about growing up. It wasn't like, well, I'm, I gave up my dream to raise a family. Like she wanted to, like you mentioned, she wanted to be a part and be a mom for us. But then dad always told me, you know, one lesson that he taught me and I'll, I'll never forget it now. He would say like in a relationship, people are going to change, you know, people change and you either, you know, you, you accept that and you kind of grow together in certain ways or you don't. And that's where you have this divide. Mm. Um, you know, I think to like going through a divorce, like we started to change maybe 10 years ago and say we're both changing 5% each year for 10 years in the beginning, it doesn't seem like a lot, but then all of a sudden you're in totally different time zones. It's not in the same, you're like, who the hell is this person? Um, and then you get to a point where you can't even get back from it. But what mom and dad have done is they, they both change, but it's kind of like they're changing, but growing together. So they're, they're not in the same spot. They were obviously how 40 plus years ago, but they're in a spot where they're still within reach. You know what I mean? They can still growing in that spot together. And mom has become such a badass. And like, I've, I've become closer with mom over the last, you know, year of my life. A lot of it has just been, you know going through shit and, you know, feeling like I needed someone to reach out to for advice, someone that I could, it was almost like a therapy session that I was going through with mom. Like I would just spill my guts or be like, this is what's going on. This is what, what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. And she would kind of walk me through it. There was no judgment or anything. And I felt so bad during that process because I was thinking about how many years went by that I didn't give her a call three, four, five times a week. You know, it was just like, you just get caught up in your life and, you know, all of a sudden you two weeks, three weeks go by and you haven't, I haven't talked to mom. And it wasn't something that I was cognizant about until the last year when I was like, fuck, like 
I wasted all that time, like busy with who knows what, and yeah. I wasn't reaching out to on a regular basis. So now I try to talk to mom, if not every day, then every other day. Um, where we just talking bullshit for, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, see what's going on. But it's been so cool for me, um, you know, in that realm to be able to reconnect with her as a 44 year old. And she's giving me advice now. And I'm, I'm in a position where I'm giving her some advice as well. And it's our relationship is better now than it probably ever has been in, in my life. She, all she wants is just to just to have you reach out and just talk, just talk to her, just tell her about your day. Like that's the only thing that she wants. She doesn't need anything else. If you just call her up, that's more than enough to make her feel like, you know, she just, she has such a deep love for, for everyone and she cares so much. And that's the one thing, like, cause I always used to call her for something or to, to complain about something or how this is going on. And I would look for her to help me. And cause she was good at that. She knew yeah. exactly what to say, but then, you know, that's also unfair to her because I just want to, I just, I should just call her for whatever reason, just be like, Hey, how you doing? Yeah. And I started doing that. And it's just so nice because that's because our conversations aren't just geared towards problems in my life. It's geared towards just talking, you know, and just, just learning from each other. And it doesn't always have to be bad. It's just sort of like having a, a quick conversation here and there. Um, but talking back to what you were saying with, with mom and dad, I feel like they've grown. They've found this amazing ability to grow with each other. And like, as mom became more figuring out like her purpose in life, dad also worked with that and became more in touch with himself like introspectively, like, I feel like they both sort of like reverse roles in a sense. And that's how we, they were able to grow. Cause like dad was never really like that. And he started to become like that and ask these questions and be more in touch. And mom started to be like, you know, this is, I want to do what I want to do. And I feel very strongly about this and she's sticking to her guns and it's cool to see them kind of shift. And that's how they were able to make this marriage continue. And I, I congratulated on, um, them on that the other day when I saw him and I was just like, this is think about how crazy it is, how you both have been together for this long and made it work through all this crap and never gave up. And were never just like tossed your hands up and said, screw it. I don't have the patience for this anymore. And they just kept like battling and worked with each other and worked with all the changes and all the, you know, shit going on. And that's one of the reasons I think why we were able to turn out as, you know, as good as we've been able to is because they've, shown us that like it's possible to do this you know to make it last and not saying that it you know again you've been through a divorce and not saying that that's you know there's times when you need to recognize when it's not working um but they also just they like they grew with each other you know it's almost like they could connect on that different level they knew when they were changing and one person was able to kind of they like ebb and flowed with each other as they went throughout that process in life and I think the reason was, is they, they loved each other the whole time. Mm -hmm. Never a point where they were like, I'm not in love with this other human being. They, they were always in love with each other. And I think that that's what kind of won out in their situation was they, they always knew that about each other and they saw each other grow. And so when I think about building men, I started building men as a way to connect. I don't know if it was like fathers and sons and, and a way to reach people that were struggling or whatever. 
but I failed to recognize the importance of the, the feminine role on masculinity and how much the woman in your life, your mom, your significant other plays in your identity, like how you view yourself on based on those relationships. So it's something that I've really been cognizant on, uh, been cognizant of over the last, you know, six, eight months or whatever. It's just like, how does the feminine role show up? And for female listeners to this podcast as well, you know, while some, a lot of the things we're talking about is masculinity, helping, helping females realize like how the feminine influences masculinity is so important. And it's something that I'm, I mean, I'm learning something new every single day based on that, um, based on how I would define masculinity. Mm-hmm. In recent podcast episodes, what I've been doing is, is asking guests how they define masculinity. And there's the, the definitions. There's been 30 different definitions. Isn't and it's so, it's so clear. Like what is, when you look up the definition about masculinity, it's like having traits associated with being a man. Well, what the fuck is that? What is yeah, that? What is being a man? What What is that? And it's, it's completely subjective to the person and their upbringing and what they've experienced and the things that they've been through. And like, I, it, it's ever changing and growing for me. Like I've learned so much about what it means to be a man and, you know, not resisting the things that I think are bad, you know, to the things that mean I'm not a man. And if I resist those, then that doesn't help me out at all, you know, because then I'm constantly in this battle between myself of like, I can't do that. I can't show emotion. I know that's, that's not what it is. Right. And this is why it's even more important to have, to be in touch with both those masculine and feminine energies and know what each one means to you and know which ones serve you and which ones don't and being able to kind of go with whatever, you know, you're feeling during that time. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's amazing. And I think the more we recognize what, what, the feminine energy, how that role plays, the better we'll be able to understand the masculine energy and what it means to be masculine, right? And what masculinity means, you need to understand femininity a little bit more. Is that a word? Femininity? Feminine. Yeah. Then like, I, what is that from uh, um, Finding Nemo? He's like, an anemone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, but yeah, that's like, you need to understand both, right? You can't just assume that you're not going to be that, or you're going to, you need to be balanced. You need to be balanced. And that's how both are very, it's having a healthy, um, share that healthy balance between the two of them. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's interesting. And I believe, so when I think about my definition of masculinity, I think it starts with the idea of balance as I, as I look to define it, but there's a balance between, um, being sh- like be- be strength, like this being strong and being vulnerable and strength. I think of strength of character, physical strength, mental strength, emotional strength, like how you can kind of, you know, be strong in, in difficult situations, but also balancing that with being vulnerable and being mm-hmm. able to reach out to people when you need help and, um, and kind of look inside and like dig deep into what's going on. So like mom definitely taught me that, that balance there between the, the, you know, being strong and being vulnerable at the same time. And like I mentioned before, I didn't know that I was learning those lessons when I was learning them. It's right. like you have to kind of take a step back and look at it from, you know, a 40,000 foot perspective. You have to really look down and say, wow, these lessons that I learned during the way, I didn't recognize them at the time. 
But now having an opportunity to look back and say, wow, I, I really appreciate those opportunities to learn about those things without even realizing I was learning about them. Yeah, that's so true. It, it makes so much sense. And mom, she showed us all these things. She showed us that it's okay to be yourself, that it's okay to kind of express what's going on, but also to like that vulnerability allowed her to be so much stronger because she would, she would express, tell people when, when she didn't like what they were saying, she was like, I disagree with you. I, I strongly believe this. Here's what I'm thinking about that. And she stuck by what she felt, but she was also curious and wanted to learn from other people, you know, and that's where she had that amazing balance in there. And I, I think that's something that we can take away from her and that, that vulnerability aspect of it. It's not a flaw, you know, it, it shows courage. It shows that you're, you're not resistant to your true authentic self. You're allowing yourself to be who you want to be, to be, because like, if you're just putting on a face for everyone else, then, you know, you're just lying. You're lying to yourself. You're lying to others. You're lying because you assume that this is what people have. Yes. And that's not, they don't want that. They want to see who you are. So if you want to cry during this moment, then fucking cry. If you want to feel, if you want to be upset and angry, let it wash over you because suppressing those is not going to do any good because they're going to come up in another moment in your life. And it's probably not going to be when you wanted it to happen. So, and that's where I think mom was good at, you know, everyone has their flaws There's certain things that I'm sure she wishes that she didn't react to. And she was able to respond to, but she never kept it inside. She would be willing to express it. I think that's very powerful. You know, you mentioned too being a learner. It's funny. Mom never really had a conversation. Like it wasn't like I needed to get, certain grades she wasn't like you need to get straight a's you need to make the honor roll but as i thought back somebody asked me about that like why did you want to go to college why did you want it wasn't something that that i felt like was told to me but it was by an example while mom didn't go to college while when i was growing up she was she wasn't going to work she was working her ass off at home but it wasn't like she said you have to do this or that but it was by her example she always wanted to learn she was always inquisitive she always she would ask me questions about school and it made me want to learn more. So it was like, I was, I was understanding the importance of learning and, and being involved and, you know, giving my best self from her example, not because she told me to do that, but just watching her be inquisitive and learn and always wanting to be the best she could be taught me, I need to do this by her actions, not by the words that she was saying to me. Right. It was never forced upon you. Right. Never like, this is what you need to do. No, you need to, because I said so. No, it was just like, you could just watch her and know that this is what she believed. And we, it, it just, it made us instinctually want to do that. We just, you know, flock towards that idea of like, I got to be better. I got to learn. I like grades were never an issue for any of us. We were never like behind in school. It was always very important and they never pushed it that much. It wasn't like they were like, you're screwing up. You need to do well in school. You need to go to college. You need to do this. We just wanted to do that because that's what we felt. There was never a point where they like pushed us one way, especially mom. Mom pushed us to think for ourselves. You know, she wanted us to be like, well, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? What? And she would support us no matter what. Right. Didn't make a difference. And that's what made me want to be a better person because she never forced it upon me, you know? So 
So Luna is, uh, mom's going to be listening to this probably on Mother's Day. So this is like our Mother's Day card. Yeah. It was, I mean, we could, you know, we could bring flowers and we can, you know, write a card from homework or whatever, but hearing us talk about it and seeing a video of us talk about it, you know, hopefully um, she'll, she'll understand how much she means to us, um, what she did for us in our own lives, separated by 14 years um and and understand you know how much we love her and how what an impact she made not only on us but our family and just generations to come because of the the woman she is yeah yeah she's an amazing woman and she's shaped me into this person that i am and you know again like i said like i always feel for her because i know how much i put her through um and how much she has she's had to withstand because of all the stuff that I was going through and she felt it with me. You know, she was always right there with me and I'm forever grateful for it. And she's an amazing woman and she just cares. She cares more than anyone that I know, you know, and all she does is just love unconditionally. And, uh, but she knows when to be rigid and hard. And so one story before we sign off, cause I remember I was, I was all in my feels after a breakup and I'm sitting there in the fetal position, like my head in her lap. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm never going to find love again. I'm like 21. And, you know, she's like, you know, telling me what I want to hear. And then finally she was like, aunt, you just got to sack up. She's like, you just got to, she told me to man up. She was like, you got to man up because right now you could feel what you're going to feel. But at some point you have to be able to move on. And all of a sudden I was like, shit, I just kind of like sat up a little bit and I was like, damn, you're right. Like I gotta, I gotta, I can't just let this take, take over, you know, this isn't who I am, but that's where she, she found that balance between like knowing when to be loving and caring, but also knowing when to like kick my ass into gear. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm so grateful for her and, um, and she's such a powerful woman. So I just really appreciate her. So the my close will be this um, in the one episode that we did together where um, you talked about anxiety, depression. And at the end of the episode, I asked you to, you know, to be Tom Costigan and uh, and Tim Novak. Yeah. And people were listening like, I can't believe your brother just spilled his guts out. And he was so emotional about, you know, you putting him to these like uncomfortable situations as a kid. And you guys were both like choked up. And all of a sudden you're like. Do the fucking accents, Ann. Yeah. And you're like, fuck it, I'll do, I'll do the accents. Yeah. So listen, fast forward, we do an episode last week, and I challenge you to come up with a with a British accent. And his name was oh, Leslie Withersby. The Le- Leslie Johnson. Yeah, Leslie Witherspoon. <laughs> so uh, my present to mom is going to be asking you to sing Good Morning to the Piggies in Their Pens as Leslie Withersby the third. Wizard Withersby the the second. All right. Um, <clears throat> good morning. Good morning. Good morning to the piggies in the pen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to the chickens and the hens. I love it. I love you, brother. That, I, if I knew the rest, I would sing it. But uh, there's probably like a, a goat, a sheep. There's. I think they go through all the farm animals in that. So I don't know. But that's Leslie. Leslie for you. So Giving that, it to you live. That was how I you feel like there's a, 
it starts to get, I got to work on it a little bit more because it starts to get into like an Irish one. I, I don't have that down, but I'll, I'll keep working on You're it. getting there. I mean, listen, I, again, it was on the spot. It was on, it was, it was just, I literally, had, I had no idea that you were going to do that. And I, I hate it so much, but it's fine. But you love it at the same time. I love it. I need it. Yeah. It always makes me so damn anxious. So it's okay. Yeah, listen, you're putting yourself, I'm putting you into the, you could have said, go fuck yourself. I'm not doing it. You could have said that, but you didn't. You're yeah. like, all right, I'm going to I'm I'm do that. And try it right now. Yep. Leaning into discomfort. All right. Well, that was one of the lessons that we learned uh, from our mother, Patricia Francis Lecklider Meralda. So mom, happy mother's day. We love you so much. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, we're going to put this out on building men podcast. Um, if people don't like it, I don't care. You know, it's yeah. for mom. We love you. Go mom. fuck yourself. <laughs> um, All right. So thank you for listening and we'll see you next yeah. time on Building Men. Yeah.